This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Dana-Farber scientists laid the foundation for CDK4-6 inhibitors, new drugs that are increasing the survival rate for many advanced breast cancers. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thanks, Jonathan. Hey, guess what? What? I have big fashion news. Fashion news? You know how much I love fashion news. Should I sit down? (laughs) I guess I'm already sitting down, so go ahead. Yeah, according to the uh, fashion runways of people's hallways in their own apartments, lavender is in the spring. Oh, (laughs) lavender is a lavender is a a pinkish pinkish purple. Yeah, like yeah, like sort of a I would say right a a washed out purple. (laughs) You know, I purple. I actually have a thing for purple. When I was uh, when I was in high school, my favorite color was purple, and my girlfriend's favorite color was green. And so we celebrated our love for each other by purchasing each other gifts that were purple and green, and it got very gaudy. What, yeah, what, what, I mean, other than emerald and I guess purple, I would say amethyst, uh, but I just went, because those are jewel tones. Uh, but what, yeah, what are you, what are you purchasing? Well, we were not buying uh, uh, gemstones for each other. <laughs> okay. Not even the semi-precious. Not even the semi-precious. <laughs> okay. No. We didn't have any money. Uh, but I, I, it, it went so far, I'm just, I'm just now remembering this, that there was a time in high school where I had, <laughs> I had an outfit that I was very proud of, and I hope no pictures of it exist because it was a, it was a matching. I can't believe I wore this. It was like a matching pant and top, with mm-hmm. like a kind of a zippery top, I think. Okay. Um, and it was reversible, and it was it was lavender on one side <gasps> and a kind of light green. On the other, uh, sorry, was it, this was high school, right? So then, when you're dating that that girl, you could be like, one day it was a color for you, and one day it was a color for her. That's right, right, Aww, right. That's and I nice. have I have my color on the outside, but I have your color on the inside. Now, <laughs> that's right. Nice. Which, I just made that up. Which one's closer to my heart? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, I just because you brought up high school and purple, I do remember right now that for high school graduation prom, although I will say in Canada, we did not call it prom. We called it graduation, but there was mm-hmm. still a party and people got dressed up and the colors the girls wore were white, which I always find that a little odd, but fine. Uh, white gowns. Mm-hmm. Peach was very popular as a color. Oof, that's a color. That's, it's hard to pull off a peach. And uh, there was there was a lot of pastels. And I was in bright, bold, purple taffeta. And it was yeah. a dress that I sewed just to put it all together with a lot of help from my mother to make it correct because ruffles are hard. But Wow. I believe at my prom I had a purple tuxedo jacket and a green cummerbund. Can you guess why? Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, very, and and you could have just like kept it on and just sailed right into Mardi Gras. Right, right into Mardi time. Gras. That's right. I could have spilled king cake all over myself, and nobody would notice. <laughs> Speaking of fashion, today's show is so good that Jonathan and I spared no expense and are each wearing our Christian Siriano joggers. Later today, I'll talk to the author of the memoir, Fresh Off the Boat, Eddie Wong. He is a best-selling author, a restaurateur, and now a movie director. Plus, Keith and Kenny Lucas will tell us about pitching their film, Judas and the Black Messiah. And first, we have two comics playing two games, and one of those games is hosted by a talking tree. So let's do it. Blotnick and Emily Heller are comedians and comedy writers who have appeared on Conan and Comedy Central and here right now, Emmy, Emily, welcome to Ask Me Another. Yay. Hey, thanks. Thank, thanks for having us. <laughs> uh, Emily, we were 
joking beforehand that I bet you've never been called Emmy by accident. Um, only like audaciously by people who are <laughs> attempting to sort of fast track our familiarity. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like, you're not ready. Give it some years. Give it some years. Uh, but Emmy, you must be up against uh, the Emily confusion all the time. Uh, it's not just Emily. It's also Amy, Emma, all the adjacent sort of little two syllable things and all the spellings therein. It's a joy. Yeah. Have you ever just stopped? I mean, this is what I do sometimes. I just stop correcting people. Jonathan, you have no sound. Well, that's good news. There we go. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm gesticulating and talking. And uh, yeah, I actually said hello to you guys. And I made some really funny comments, but you'll never know. So, <laughs> But oh, you man. have it recorded that's... on your end so it can be inserted in as a surprise. Yeah, I have it recorded edit. on my end and also the uh, the deafening silence that followed each whip that I made. So it's, it's, all, it's all going very well. Emmy, <laughs> uh, I was just like going through, you know, some interviews that you've done and back this was right at the uh, you know a year ago right a year ago uh and that you suffered from sleeplessness or maybe still do how's it going oh wow it's so funny that you mentioned this because i was awake from about two to five this morning uh just feeling reeling anxiety and no i uh i I actually have been sleeping a little bit better um i adopted a dog (gasps) and he is like a heavy warm boy so uh that i used to use a weighted blanket and he took the weighted blanket and he loves it uh and now he is my weighted blanket and i feel like everything is complete so i won't say the problem's solved but it's improved what's what's the name of your dog his name is george george yes yeah and emily you got a dog too I yeah. forgot this is a oh, very I have a time. dog as well and my dog's name is Alan we both have very great. Uh, old man names for our dogs <laughs> great I get what's going on here our dogs are both CPAs <laughs> right, exactly. so alright we have some great games for you you want to play some games Oh, hell yeah. Okay, so first we have an audio quiz for you called Reality Breaking News. We are going to play you clips of real newscasters making cameos in fictional movies. You just identify the newscaster or the title of the movie. So we're going to go back and forth. You're going to take turns. You are essentially competing in this game. Yes. Emmy, this one is for you. America's favorite forecaster questions paranormal weather in this 2016 reboot. With the government trying to claim the event wasn't supernatural, despite so many eyewitness accounts to the contrary, the big question is, was it the four women who actually thwarted the attack? We may never know. I have a feeling it's a superhero movie and I don't really watch those and the only news I listen to is Brian Lehrer, so it's going to be tricky. <laughs> okay, you're really hoping you were getting Brian Lehrer, question one. I, I, that's all I know. So I, but that sounded maybe, maybe, I, I'm going because you said forecaster, potentially an Al Roker? Yes, ah! that's right. Nice. Uh, and the, do you want to take a guess at the movie? It was... Um, Talking about four women and uh, paranormal. Right, right, right. Weather. So I was thinking it's potentially the the all female Ghostbusters reading. Yes, that is wow. right. Oh my god, that this is, is shocking. Right. Shocking. That's right. <laughs> Two points on the board yeah. for Blotnick. That's right. Let's keep going. Uh. <laughs> all right, Emily. In this clip, a CNN anchor with a citrusy last name is interviewing a fictional pop star named Noni Jean. Are you really British? And, and I ask because. Your former rapper boyfriend has been tweeting that you're you're faking that accent. So that's from Beyond the Lights. Yeah. <laughs> and citrusy last name it's either Don Lemon or Rebecca Grapefruit. Um, but the second one I made up, so I'm gonna say it's probably Don Lemon. <laughs> yeah. Well, well reasoned. It is in fact Don Lemon and Beyond the Lights. You got it. Wow. All right, Emmy. <laughs> This journalist is a Peabody winner for her coverage of the Bosnian War and her work on 60 Minutes. And here she's interviewing the fictional Pepper Potts about superhero stuff. Okay. This continuing erratic behavior may lead many people to ask themselves, 
Can this man still protect us? Iron Man never stopped protecting us. The events in Monaco prove that. Oh, man. Man, oh, man. Well, the, the movie is unguessable in this one. Between you <laughs> saying Pepper Potts and her saying Iron Man, I don't know. I don't, you'll never know <laughs> who it could be. But I'm going to go with the movie being Iron Man and the broadcaster being Jennifer Lyme. Is it another citrus? <laughs> not Jennifer Lyme. No. I no. don't think they're all going to be citruses. <laughs> oh, I thought that was the game. Okay, well, then I'll scratch off my answer of Rachel Orange and uh, pack up my things. Just before we take your answer for the uh, the product that this is from, can you get more specific? You said Iron Man. Is that is that going to be where you're going to end up on this answer? Right, right, right. I feel the nudge towards a sequel, so I'm going to go <laughs> Iron Man 3. <laughs> too sure far. You go that too far. far. Too far. that far. Ah, oh, damn! I'm, I'm the real like a Goldilocks of Iron Man. It's got to be the one in the middle. Iron Man Two. That's just right. That is correct. <laughs> Iron Man Two, and that is Christian Anmanpour. Ah, uh, right, right, right. All right, Emily. Here is one for you. This clip is from a long-running Tom Cruise action franchise, and it features someone wearing a mask to disguise himself as a CNN anchor. This image is live in Rome, looking toward the Vatican, and is as close as our cameras can get. It is believed that the Pope was in residence. Okay, so that's Wolf Blitzer, but who is wearing a mask to be Wolf Blitzer? Is it mm. is it Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible? Oh, yeah. Is, <laughs> it is, in fact, Mission Impossible. That's Mission Impossible Fallout. Yes. My producer wants you to know that it was Simon Pegg's character wearing the mask. Oh, okay. I haven't seen any of those movies, so I feel just impressed that I knew his character's name. <laughs> yeah, in that case, yeah. doubly impressive. If you haven't even seen <laughs> the films, you. fantastic. And there's a new one coming out, right? Fine. Called Mission Fine. Impossible, <laughs> shouting at the crew to wear their mask or something That's like that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Can't wait. It's the hardest mission yet. <laughs> After the break, Emmy and Emily will play a game about trees hosted by a talking tree. Plus, the hilarious Lucas Brothers will tell us about their dramatic turn writing Judas and the Black Messiah. And a little later, I'll talk to Fresh Off the Boat author Eddie Wong. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, one of the largest recipients of NIH funding. Dana-Farber scientists played a substantial role in developing more than half the cancer drugs approved by the FDA in the last five years, data through 2022. They've made one advanced cancer discovery after another for over 75 years. Dana-Farber Cancer Institute is changing lives everywhere. More at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, one of the largest recipients of NIH funding. Dana-Farber scientists played a substantial role in developing more than half the cancer drugs approved by the FDA in the last five years, data through 2022. They've made one advanced cancer discovery after another for over 75 years. Dana-Farber Cancer Institute is changing lives everywhere. More at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Support for NPR and the following message come from the Wallace Foundation, working to develop and share practices that can improve learning and enrichment for young people and the vitality of the arts for everyone. Ideas and information at wallacefoundation.org. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and high-concept trivia. Emphasis on high. I'm Jonathan Colton. Here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thanks, Jonathan. We're playing games with comics Emmy Blotnick and Emily Heller. Are you two ready for your next challenge? Yes. Born ready. Okay. Well, this is a multiple-choice quiz all about trees, and we have a very special guest here to ask the questions. She's a real-life trash-talking tree... Who isn't afraid of throwing a little shade? And she insisted that I read that punny introduction. Please welcome Okfira Eisenberch. Hello, everyone. Hi. It's great to have you here, Okfira. Thank you for tapping me. I've been hoping to branch out <laughs> into broadcasting. Yeah, see, she's a very, she loves puns is the thing. <laughs> so, Emily, this first question is for you. 
Ophir is a little quiet. Just put that out there. Ophir, can you get one of your saplings to help you with your computer, maybe? <laughs> Let me just see. The root of the problem is... Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, here's your question. Humans think trees are quiet. But I'm telling you, there's some loudmouth birches out there. We actually have some systems of communication. Some trees can send airborne chemical signals that warn other trees to prepare for what? Emily, is it A, a deadly fungus, B, a kid who's about to take advantage of them in a giving tree situation, or C, an imminent insect attack? Well, there's no preparing for the selfishness of children. Uh, so I know it's not that. Amen, sister. <laughs> um, I am going to say see an insect attack. Yeah, you are absolutely correct. That's right. We talk about other trees behind their bark. <laughs> <laughs> I could do this forever. <laughs> Uh, okay, Emmy, this one is for you. Emmy, if you think melodramatic weeping willows are emotionally toxic, you should definitely steer clear of the manchineal tree. Do you know why? Is it because manchineal trees, A, have been known to spontaneously combust, B, have poisonous fruit, and sap that causes burns and temporary blindness, or C, are home to Keebler elves who are notorious jerks. Oh boy, I'm, I, I think, I think I'm going to go B on this one. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. All right. Guinness Book calls a manchineal tree the deadliest tree. Its name is derived from a Spanish phrase meaning little apple of death, which that tells a story right there. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> All right, here's another one, and it is for you, Emily. Some trees think they're so unique, but I'm not impressed. In the 1990s, a guy named Dave Williams embarked on a mission to catalog a certain type of tree across the United States. What made these trees so special? So is it A, they were a variety of dogwood that didn't change color in the fall, B, they were grown from seeds that had been to the moon, or C, they were planted by Johnny Appleseed. I want all of them to be true. I mean, the first one's kind of boring, but the other two are very exciting. I'm going to say that they've been to the moon. Yeah, they were grown from seeds that had been to the moon. That's right. They're known as moon trees. And uh, NASA uh, sent these seeds into space in 1971 uh, as a partnership that they had with uh, the Forest Service. And after returning from the mission, the saplings were planted across the United States, largely forgotten until the 90s, when a planetary scientist named Dave Williams began tracking them down. That's pretty wild. They should call them seed lawn musks. No, cut this. <laughs> I was going to say seed lawn musks. Please cut it. <laughs> no, that's, that is exactly the kind of humor that Okfira Eisenberch really loves. I was really seed trying to get in the game, but I regret it. <laughs> Could you leaf that out of the broadcast? <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay, I mean, this is the last clue of the game. My ex-boyfriend is a real Aspen. His name is Pando. He lives in Utah. And he's a lot to deal with. Why? <laughs> is it because Pando is, A, the tallest, widest tree in the world, B, an entire forest of trees all stemming from a single root system, or C, always forgetting his wallet when he takes you to dinner? Oh, gosh, well, it better not be C. Um, I'm going to say, I feel like the big, big trees are in, like, the Pacific Northwesty. Let's go B. I think it's a, it's a wild root system. Yeah, you are, you are correct. It's the world's largest organism by mass. It's a forest made up of 47,000 genetically identical aspen trees that all share the same root system. It's oh pretty my. wild. I really appreciate you guys, you know, knowing so much about trees. Made my day. You know, 
just yeah. an organism over here trying to make their way in the trivia world. So thanks. Listen, I try to I try to be an ally. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we we very much appreciate you uh, taking time out of your no doubt very busy schedule, very busy. standing around uh, very to busy. join us on this on the show. Yeah. Okay. Well, love you, believe you. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. Ophira, you missed... Oh, uh... oh. What happened? Well, there was a tree here. Oh, that tree that's been trying to take my job. Ophira Eisenberg, Ugh, yeah. Always mm-hmm. knocking at my door. Yeah. You could say she's pining for you. <laughs> ah, thank you, yes! She's, you know what, though? She's a real sap. <laughs> I love you guys. I love you guys. <laughs> thank you so much for being here, comedians Emmy Blotnick and Emily Heller. Thanks for having us. What a treat. Great. Perfect. A treat. A treat. A treat. Our next two contestants are comedians, writers, and twin brothers. Their Netflix special is called Lucas Brothers on Drugs, and they have been nominated for a Writers Guild of America Award for their movie Judas and the Black Messiah, which is out now and streaming on HBO Max. Please welcome Keith and Kenny Lucas, the Lucas hey. Brothers. Hello. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey. How are you? Hey, thank How you guys for having us. All right. Thanks for having Great. Us. Thank you. Um, so, unbelievable accomplish. You have a new movie, Judas and the Black Messiah, and this is the true story of the murder of a Black Panther activist, right. Fred Hampton. So, right. what was the process like when you were just pitching this film around trying to get people <laughs> interested in it? I it was mean, tough. It was it. <laughs> those those early pitch meetings were brutal. I mean, and I think it's in large part because we didn't have a ton of experience going around town and pitching. So I don't think we really like. Yeah, our, I don't think we our, sold it our, well our, enough. Our our only frame of reference for pitching in Hollywood yeah. was Seinfeld. The pitch. That's the only thing. We, that's the only evidence. We're, like, right, we're, we're gonna do it like George and Jerry. We're gonna go in there, knock them out, and they're gonna give us a, a sitcom deal. Uh, that, it didn't work out that way. Uh, and the film is getting. Getting some Oscar buzz. Right. So what, what's how do you, like what's your approach to this? Are you kind of the kind of people that when this day rolls around, you'll you know just do your own thing and then maybe wait, or will you be glued to your computer? No, no, I'm not no, going no. to be glued to my computer. I'm gonna I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna tell myself that life's gonna be all right without the Academy Award. And uh, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know what? But, though, you should buy tuxedos anyway, just in case. I think I know, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm just right. gonna get a tuxedo just to have one. Just I to have. I, I need time. a tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just, you know, I, I think they're available and probably on sale. I'm just oh, saying. Yeah. There yeah, might. I hope so. <laughs> Now's the time. I hope so. Now's Today's the time the to get a tuxedo. Yeah, I get a couple. <laughs> You get a couple. <laughs> you never can have enough. One's dirty, and you got to wear another one the next night. How many? Like how many? How many tuxedos are too many? You know what I mean? Like is it? Yeah. Excellent question. I, I don't think you can ever have too many tuxedos. I think. That's fair. That's I can't fair. think of a number of tuxedos that's too high. How many tuxedos do you think Frank Sinatra had? A lot. Yeah. A lot, right? Exactly. Yeah. Couldn't even count. So. I would love to fact check that if we find out that it's one and just, yeah, yeah who rented, would ever he rented, know? He rented every time. <laughs> it's real dumb. All right. So we have a couple uh, fun games for you. Would you care to dive into a, some escapism and play some trivia games? Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. The time is now. <laughs> okay, so this is a this is a version of, of one of our favorite games, uh, which is called This, That, or The Other. We're going to give you a name or term, and you just have to tell us which of three categories it belongs to. Jonathan Colton, what are today's categories? Today's categories are aliases of real-life computer hackers, types hmm. of mushrooms, or hmm. titles of anime series. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Uh, Keith, the first one is for you. Psychedelic Warlord. Is that a hacker, a mushroom, or anime? Jeez, it could be either of the three. I'm going to go with anime. Mm. Excellent guess, but I'm sorry that is incorrect. <laughs> uh, it is actually a hacker. It's this, mm. not only any hacker, it's the pseudonym used by Beto O'Rourke. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, when wow. he was in a hacker group that was called the Cult of the Dead Cow. Nice, nice. Beto, I mean, that guy was in a band. He was in yeah. a hacker group. Uh, he's, he's, he's led an eccentric life. 
he's a weird fellow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Kenny, this is for you. I'm ready. Destroying Angel. Hacker, mushroom, or anime? Okay. I'm going to go with uh, mushroom. Yeah, you're right. It is a mushroom. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, well done. It's actually one of the world's most poisonous mushrooms. Oh, wow. It has a, has a sort of wing-like shape, which is how it gets its name. Keith. <laughs> Black Clover. I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with anime. Yes! <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> did it. Yes. Uh, that's a, it's a fantasy series about two friends, one with untold magical powers and Ooh. one without Ooh. any at all. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like a tough friendship right there. Wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the imbalance. <laughs> Can't go to the club with that dude. All right, Kenny, here's one for you. Okay. Susie Thunder. Ooh, hacker. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the alias of Susan Headley, a hacker who worked with a group called the Cyberpunks in the 70s, ah. 70s and 80s. Uh, so you use a first name and a hacker name? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> it was the 70s. People were like, I was a yeah. hacker. Let it all hang out, man. <laughs> that is crazy. Uh, yeah, actually, being a cyberpunk in the 70s, uh, what are you breaking into? Calculators? <laughs> Right, what are you, right, what are you right. doing? You're, you're hacking into the computer. <laughs> okay, you did great. Who won? Yes. All of us. All We're of all us winners. Yeah. All, winners. all right, we have another one for you. Would you like another game? Yeah. yeah. All I, right. I got to win this one. Yeah, Guess you what? have you're, to. You're working together on this one. Oh, okay. We don't okay. have to. That's... We don't no, have no, to. No, no, we can work if you would prefer yeah, the competitive yeah. spirit. No, let's... Let's work, Let's work together. together. Okay. okay. <laughs> I love that. You're like, no, 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 no. We're good. We're good. This is great. Okay, guess what? Jonathan is going to sing you the clues in this next game called okay. Bee Gees. Yes, Ooh. we have changed the lyrics to songs by the Bee Gees to make them about things that start with the initials BG. So things okay. like Bar Graph or Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, you <laughs> work together. You're going to tell <laughs> yeah. me what I'm singing about or the title of the song that I'm parodying. Okay. 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 Here we go. <clears throat> okay, this is the first one. <laughs> My chewing starts at midnight. It goes all day, it's weird. This pink balloon I'm blowing. Don't pop it in my beard. Bubblegum. Bubblegum is correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> you did it. And uh, do you know the name of the song? Uh, I, I I have to admit, and I'm sorry, I don't know too many BG songs. Not a big uh, BG fan. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, I mean everybody. I know the classics, but I don't know the. I, don't I know, know the, the classics. And I'm I guessing that's not a deep cut. It's probably a classic. You know, everybody knows the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Of course, of course. Uh, right, right, right. Uh, this is a. This is called "You Should Be Dancing." Oh, I know you should be dancing. You, you should, should be, be dancing. dancing. Probably what's yeah. going to make it harder is I'm not going to sing like this all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hard. See, I couldn't uh, tell because okay. of the, the voice inflection, man. It was too different. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's another one. Dipping in this because I don't like chickpeas. Baking that eggplant because it's my favorite emoji. Mashing it up with a squeeze of a lemon. Give me that eggplant. Keep your hummus to yourself. Oh. Shit, I don't know the song or the subject. Uh-oh. Usually, <laughs> usually I know one. Uh. This is a, yeah, a dip, a dip that is made with uh, eggplant, the baked mashed eggplant mixed with lemon and garlic. And it is oh, not yeah, hummus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, yeah. One. What is it? I live in I live in Williamsburg. I should know this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to know I that. Okay. I was, I was... All right, I'll let you know what it is. It is Baba Ganoush. Baba oh. Ganoush, of yes. course. I, I no, I love it. I love Baba Ganoush. I, I just I, don't, I haven't I've had, never had it. it. <laughs> you've had you've had Baba Ganoush. I don't think so. Yes, you have. You definitely have Baba Ganoush. I don't think I have it. I've had it before. I've seen you eat Baba Ganoush. Maybe you saw yourself eating it. <laughs> this is a twin that bad, problem. That was, that was you in a mirror. <laughs> oh no, you're right. It was me looking at a mirror the entire time. I thought it was you. Just eating baba ganoush in a mirror, the way you always do. 
Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and you said you didn't know the song, but I'll tell you it was Nights on Broadway. <laughs> All right, here's another one. Here I am at work in this garage tonight. When I dropped out of Harvard, they scoffed, but I'll do all right. Yeah. When I found Microsoft. I know it's Bill Gates. I know I I know the song too. Oh, what is it? I just this song is fantastic. Should I give it away? Yes. Give it away. All right. Night Fever is the name of the song. Night Fever. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten it. <laughs> you, did, you didn't get it, so. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Good point. Not Good only. Point. <laughs> okay. Here's right. the last one. Try to stay calm and listen to Adama, but the silent attack, silent attack. Starbucks in a Viper, that raider's gonna swipe her. It's a silent attack, silent attack. Frack, frack, frack. Frack, silent attack, silent attack. Frack, 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 silent attack. Now, obviously, the song is staying alive. Yeah, that's right. This one we got. I don't know what I don't know what the subject is. Cylons. If I say Cylons, oh, Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. That is right. You got it. I never watched it. Oh, it's so oh, great. That's I know good. it's great. I've heard great things about it. I gotta watch it. You worked <laughs> together great in that game, by the way, but I also really enjoy that you strangely still made it competitive. Sure. <laughs> so. Absolutely. <laughs> in terms of competition, sister wound. That's a twin thing, Keith and Kenny Lucas wrote the story for the movie Judas and the Black Messiah, which is out now and streaming on HBO Max. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, congratulations again. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so thank much. You. This, this is awesome. so much fun. After the break, I'll talk to the author of the best-selling memoir, turn TV show, Fresh Off the Boat, Eddie Wong. I'm Ophira Eisenberg. This is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore. Jump into a new perspective on performance apparel. Viore makes products that stand the test of time and hope to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Empowering your best life in clothing that can be worn for just about any activity from running to yoga. Visit viore.com NPR to receive 20% off your first purchase and enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. Discover the versatility of Viore clothing. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com NPR today to get 10% off your first month. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thanks, Jonathan. Our special guest is Eddie Huang, and he's done so many things. The sitcom Fresh Off the Boat was based on his best-selling 2013 memoir. It's about his life growing up in Orlando, the child of Taiwanese immigrants, and as a kid, he worked in the kitchens of his father's restaurants. Later, he moved to New York City and opened the acclaimed Taiwanese bun restaurant, Bauhaus, and now he's a movie director. His first feature is called Boogie. It's a coming-of-age story about a high school basketball star, and it's out now. Eddie Huang, welcome to Ask Me Another. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you for having me. <laughs> Pleasure. I like, your, uh, I like everything that's going on in this background. I see a great T-shirt, a baseball bat. <laughs> And Thank some you. sort of either painting or tapestry. I actually can't tell because it's hard yeah. to tell texture. Oh, this is a friend of mine, Eric Mack. He like makes these. He like takes like moving blankets and other things. And it's his kind of like take on, on painting. But And then the baseball bat's my security system. <laughs> yeah. Good. And, Very and this shirt I got for a dollar in Taiwan. Yeah. <laughs> 
you've got it all covered. Yeah, I'm, I save money on clothing and security and spend it on art. That's pretty much my strategy. <laughs> that's that's basically your go bag. If, if it goes down, that's right. Just take that shirt, it. that piece of artwork, and the baseball bat, and you're good to go. Yeah, we're out of here. <laughs> all I need. Um, so you're a restaurateur, but uh, so many of us know you as a best-selling author. You are so many things, uh, but a best-selling author as well. The 2013 memoir, Fresh Off the Boat, which is obviously about your life growing mm-hmm. up as a Taiwanese-American in the United States. And then the book became a TV show by the same name, starring Randall Park and Constance Wu. And the show ran for uh, six years. It must have been just extraordinary to see your own life through the lens of a sitcom. Yeah, I think it would be if I watched it, but I only watched like, two episodes. So I I missed out on that experience, but you know. Did you not want to watch it uh, because it was it's just too weird to see an adaptation of your life? Like you were just like, I did this, it's over, it's a different product. I think my thing generally with entertainment and media is that like there was no way I was going to watch a network sitcom of my life and be in any way entertained or tickled by it. It just wasn't going to happen. I am the nerd of nerds. People will ask me, did you see this TV show? I'm like, I don't know. I like, I read an article Scorsese wrote about Fellini. So I went back and watched eight and a half. Like that's me, you know? And, and then I'll wake up and listen to the breakfast club in the morning. It's like, I'm just very into very specific culture and I could tell very early on with Fresh Off the Boat, I was like, there's nothing in this show for me besides the rise of Constance Wu. I, that interested me. You know, Constance and like her evolution as a person and an actor. Because I remember the first day Constance and I met on set, she was like, I never really thought too much about being Asian. You know, like she's an actor and Constance is very into her craft. And, you know, I remember how she felt about the project coming in and then she read the book and I could see her evolution really owning her Asian identity and becoming one of our most powerful voices. Uh, Her evolution as a person, as an actor, as a voice in Asian America was probably like my, the thing I was most interested in that show. Yeah. Have you ever thought about redoing, you know, your life story, whether you take it from the book or a a different lens of it yourself, like actually creating maybe a dramatic version or a movie. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, this is a fantastic segue. Boogie really is like my version of fresh off the boat. If Mm. if I was good at basketball and like, I'm a good basketball player. (laughs) Like I'm 39 and I still start on my rec league team. We are the Mafufus Monterey Park League <laughs> champions. So yeah. I, I ball. I'm, I, I can still ball, but not on the level of this kid in the movie. And um, I really took a lot of the feelings and stories and I said, instead of making this about me, but what were the seminal moments in your experience coming of age as an Asian American male that in many ways was informed by black culture, inspired by black culture, what were the really big lessons? And I took those and I made those the the, the really spine of the film and then, you know, f- filled the rest of it in. But for me, the film is like, can be boiled down to five or six scenes. And those were the scenes of my life that I wanted to take the viewer through. When So when you were growing up in Orlando, were you a big fan of the Orlando Magic? Well, I was a Nick fan always because okay. I was born in D.C. <laughs> and so I will explain this is Patrick Ewing like was everything in D.C. Like my first memories, my dad always carried a Georgetown Hoyas bag to the gym to play ball. Like there was Hoyas stuff everywhere. And I remember seeing the posters in the grocery store. And then, of course... Patrick played for the Knicks, so I, I was a Knicks fan. For a few years in Orlando, I was very excited to get Shaquille O'Neal. And I would cheer for the Magic, but the Knicks were my team. And when the Orlando Magic wouldn't re-sign Shaq, and there was this big article saying, like, is he worth $100 million? And it was a very racial thing. A lot of white people would call into the radio station, like, he's not worth it. He just dunks a basketball. He just does that. I'm like... Which one of you guys can do that? If any of <laughs> right. you guys calling, which one of you can do what Shaq does? And when Shaq left, it just broke my heart. And I don't think I ever 
loved Orlando again. And uh, I found my pockets, you know, like I had my friends that were outcasts. They were different. They lived in the margins. And and then the cooks I cooked with at the restaurant, you know, I I, I just we had a lot in common. So yeah. in Orlando, I was just getting by till I could go to New York and met other people who read books. <laughs> and and speaking of cooking, I mean, you opened as a restaurateur in 2009, you uh, opened a Taiwanese bun shop called the greatest name Bow for house. a bun shop, Bauhaus. <laughs> that is the greatest name for a bun <laughs> shop at the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And for those uh, those of our listeners who have never had the opportunity to taste a, a Taiwanese bun, can you just explain how you would describe it? Yeah, I also just want to say, I love that you identified the title because I, you know, a lot of people that come, they don't realize it's from a school of architecture and design. And that's how nerdy I am. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, and, and they're just like, oh, it's a Bauhaus. But why do you, like, people would still be like, why do you spell it that way? I'm like, this is so sad. You know out, what I mean? Out. Yeah, out. Just direct them. And, and that's the thing. Like, I, even in the Asian community, like, a lot of my puns just fall on deaf ears. Like, oh, man, you don't study German architecture. That's unfortunate. But, um, uh, sorry, what was the question? I was just going to say, you know, just just a very simple thing just to from your mouth to describe what a, a, a Taiwanese bun is. Oh, it's, uh, you know, basically it's our, our famous sugar dough. It's very well known in northern China. Usually you use this sugar dough to make like manto or any type of bun. It's a steamed. It's our wonder bread and we steam it. And traditionally you put a braised piece of pork belly, um, crushed peanuts, Taiwanese red sugar, cilantro and pickled mustard green on there um they serve it to you any other way it's it may be good it may not be good but it's not the original i really think with cuisine you should start with the original and then you want to get funky you want to eat cheeto fried chicken that's fine but that is the original and um yeah that's the one yeah Know your masters. Know your masters. Yeah, and exactly. how, how did you, I mean, you, your father owned restaurants. Obviously, you had some experience working in restaurants, but how did you learn how to cook? I learned primarily from my mom. My dad's way of cooking was just to take all the leftovers and put it in one pot and heat it up. And then it was a dish. <laughs> <laughs> that was how my dad cooked. But my mom is honestly a gourmand. Like my mom has just been fascinated by food her whole life. Um, she would taste something at a restaurant and be able to make it. And I think that gene or whatever my mom's magic is, it got passed to me. Cooking was very, very natural for me. And I would tell people, it's just about paying attention. You know, when you're eating to pay attention, take a moment, savor it, think about it. And if you do that, you could probably make it again. I mean, I'm not sure I could, but I love believing that for myself. I'll give you an example, right? I'll give you an example. Yeah. You know how these days when when you use your GPS and you go somewhere, you probably can't remember it after because yes. you're just like, oh, Terrible. Just, they just said left and right. And like when people give recipes, I'm like, that's that's not great. But every bite you take is like walking to the store. And when I walk to a store, I can walk my way back. And I just tell people, remember each bite like it's walking to the store. And if you do that, you could probably walk your way back. I like that. Yeah. So in 2010, you also opened up a short-lived restaurant called Sha'aoya. Is that right? Sha'aoya. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. I'm not laughing at your pronunciation. I'm laughing at, at that restaurant because it was a complete disaster. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so I just wanted to talk about because it does have a – I think a good story around it from as far as I could tell it, it just has from a reading mystique. about it. It has a mystique, <laughs> has a mystique. about it. <laughs> uh, it received a zero-star review from the New York Times. I actually didn't know they could do that. Yeah. Um, do you remember what it said? Yeah. It's if This could be one of the most interesting restaurants in downtown New York if Eddie paid more attention and wasn't on his phone and and, and all of those things. You know? and, Chastising and, uh, you. Chastising you. Yeah. And and I took his criticism, but there was a reason why I was not cooking that night he was there. And it was because oh. I had given this big talk to the kitchen about, guys, we cannot have this restaurant operate at a different level when I'm here and when I'm not here. The, the test of a, a really good restaurant and a really good chef and a really good staff is that you guys can do this without me here. And if I'm not here and you can't do it, then I didn't do my job. And 
that was a night we were testing. And I walked out of the restaurant and I saw Sam come in. And in retrospect, I should have walked home. But instead, I sat in the dining room with my friends because I wanted to see what happened. I was like, it, it, it was like smelling your feet. I was like, I got to see <laughs> what's going to happen. And of course, we as a restaurant, we failed. After that review, I just said to myself, I failed, but also this isn't what I want to do. I don't want to be a chef. I never wanted to be a chef. I, I cooked food because it was the place that Asian people could have narratives in this country because people expected us to be good at Kung Fu or they good at cooking. They, we aren't expected to be good at anything else, but like mm. accounting and doctoring. But uh, I was like, I'm meant to write and I want to tell stories. And so I just kind of retreated to Bauhaus, ran Bauhaus as well as I could. I moved my apartment on top of Bauhaus so that I never failed again. And I was just working there constantly and writing fresh off the boat upstairs. Oh, wow. Fresh off the boat worked out. Yeah. Uh, all right, Eddie, are you are you up for an Ask Me Another Challenge? We, yeah. we think we have something good cooked up for you. Uh, Eddie, you've described yourself as a human panda? Yes. Please explain. Well, I, I just feel like a panda, you know, like I'm <laughs> I'm warm, I'm cuddly, I'm slightly overweight, but I have, I do have claws and I am Asiatic and I do like a fibrous diet. <laughs> okay, great. Great, perfect. This is an amazing moment. It's a game about pandas and it's called, Is It a Panda? Okay. So we're going to read you a fact. You just have to tell us if this fact describes a giant panda. Or okay. if it describes some other black and white animal. Okay. Very easy. So you mm -hmm. just have to say panda or not a panda. Okay. All right. So here's your first one. You're, I think you already basically answered this, but this animal has the digestive system of a carnivore, but it has a vegetarian diet. Is it a panda? panda. Yeah, that's a panda. Yes. It's a panda. All right. The name of this animal is also the name of an extinct language. Is it a panda? Not a panda. You are correct. Not a panda. We're talking about Dalmatians, who are named for a Ooh. historic region of Croatia where the breed originated. Mm -hmm. And centuries ago, they spoke a language called Dalmatian, which is no longer spoken. It had 101 different words for spot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This animal has six digits on each paw. Is it a panda? Not a panda. <gasps> it is a panda. It is a panda. So get this. Each panda paw has five fingers, but then their wrist bone works oh. like an opposable thumb. Oh. And when I read this, I thought, well, that's disgusting. <laughs> and then I looked, uh, I looked up, you know, pictures on photos on Google and turns out adorable just like a panda I even because i met a panda and i shook its hand and there was five fingers so this yep. is bad yeah. i'm failing i, I guess no, i have no. never looked at a panda's uh, hand up close but yeah it does it does sound pretty does well later pretty, today later yeah. today later when today you, uh... i'll check out my panda more closely <laughs> you gotta meet a panda i met a panda we really got along how panda. How? In Chengdu, in, in, in Sichuan, in china you can go to the panda reservation and meet them and i swear to god i have it on tape it's on a Vice episode. This panda clawed everybody and they had to give it honey so that it would lick its paw when people went to take photos. But yeah. with me, the panda just laid into my lap and hugged me, didn't even claw me. Wow. That's when I knew wow. I was a panda. Yeah, that you were, of course. Yeah, I That's just didn't know thing. I had a six digit. I didn't know. Or maybe you had a bunch of honey in your lap. Maybe is what it was. Yeah. <laughs> were, were you wearing those, those honey shorts? <laughs> All right. This animal has been seen performing a handstand while it pees. Is it a panda? It is a panda. It sure is a panda. It's a panda. Very yes. confident yeah. answer there. Did you? Did, yeah. Do you have specialized uh, knowledge about this handstand peeing? I've just watched so many YouTube videos of pandas, <laughs> and they're quite acrobatic animals. Yeah. I mean, it usually they're kind of idiot savants, too. Like, you watch them do something amazing, and then they fall over and wreck, like, whatever thing they're doing. Like, oh. But I relate to that. 
right? Both like a- agile and clumsy at the same yeah. time. Like I yeah. honestly, I could write you a book, but I could not fix your light bulb. I can't <laughs> do stuff. <laughs> All right, this is the last question. This animal was first brought to the United States in the 1850s. Is it a panda? Not a panda, because I believe the pandas came later to D.C. first. You, you are correct. This is actually describing a Holstein cow, classic black and white spotted breed of cow, which was brought here in the 1850s. Giant panda yes. was brought from China, actually, to San Francisco first in 1936. Immediately yes. a sensation, because pandas. <laughs> yeah, pandas. Uh, you, you know your panda facts. Some. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Eddie Huang's new movie, Boogie, is out now. Thank you. Anytime. A lot of fun, guys. Great show. Highly recommend doing this show. (laughs) (laughs) That's our show. Ask Me Another's house musician is Jonathan Colton. Hey, my name anagrams to Thou Jolt to Cannon. Our puzzles were written by our staff, along with Kara Weinberger and senior writer Kimla Franklin and Karen Lurie, with additional material by Ashley Brooke Roberts. Ask Me Another is produced by Travis Larchuk, Nancy Seichow, James Farber, Ramel Wood, and our intern Sophie Hernandez Simeonithis. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal, and our boss's bosses are Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. Thanks to our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Hey, you're still listening. Fantastic. So since you're still here, why not pop over to Apple Podcasts and write us a review? We'd love to hear from you, and it also helps others find out about our show. For information about new episodes, bonus videos, and more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thanks! Next time on Ask Me Another, we're joined by my brother, my brother and me, podcast hosts Justin Travis and Griffin McElroy. They talk about their book, Everybody Has a Podcast Except You. Plus comedians Chalewa Sharp and Gaster Almonte compete in a game about sped up versions of slow jams. So join me on NPR's Ask Me Another, the answer to life's funnier questions. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the NPR Wine Club. NPR Wine Club members have contributed over $1.5 million to helping create a more informed public. B21. Join the charge at nprwineclub.org slash podcast. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.